Hey guys, welcome to the weekly podcast of Bethel Assembly, Sedalia, Missouri. It's our prayer that this message is an encouragement and a blessing to your life. If you want more information about Bethel Assembly, please go to our website, BethelAssembly.info. Thanks again. We're going to jump into the last message in a series that we're simply calling unshakable. We've spent about seven weeks, this is week number eight, processing through the seven times that Jesus made the statements, I am, I exist to be. This is my reason for being. He says, I am the light of the world. I'm the true vine. I'm the the bread of life. I'm the good shepherd. I'm the resurrection and the life. I'm the door. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And I hope and I pray that by this point, as we've been eight weeks into this, that you've begun to apply those things to your life. You see, if we just come in here on a Sunday morning and we, we hear the I am's of Jesus and we understand why he exists, but we fail to apply them and we exit the same way that we came out, or that we came in, that there is, in fact, no change. Yet if we put Jesus at the very root of who we are, suddenly when the difficulties of life begin to rage around us, we will have that unshakable force, that bedrock grounded in Jesus. As I've stated, we have looked at the seven times that Jesus says, I am, but this morning what I want to look at is a a little more personal moment. We understand who Jesus claims to be, who he says he is, and what he can do. But today I ask you this question, who is Jesus to you? You see, that's a question that, that Jesus asked his disciples. They were walking along the road one day, and he paused in that conversation, and he asked him, what are people around you saying about me? And they began to give responses, and we're going to talk about those in a moment. But after they gave the responses, he, he stopped a little deeper into that conversation. He says, but who do you say that I am. In fact, in Matthew 16, 15, it says, but what about you? He or Jesus asked, who do you say I am? This is the most important question that you will ever ponder in your life. It's a greater question than what will you wear tomorrow to work? It's a greater question than what will you have for lunch today? And we spend a lot of time mauling over what we'll eat. That is the biggest struggle in our household. Anybody else have that problem? No one really cares, but yet when something's mentioned, we really care. I don't care what we eat. Well, how about Ellis Bologna? No, I really don't want Mexican. Well, I don't care what we eat. Okay, how about KFC? No, I don't want chicken. We spend a lot of time processing that, but that's not the most important question we can ever ask. The most important question is not who will you spend the rest of your life with? Who will be your spouse? That's a great question and an important question. But it's not the greatest question. The greatest question that you will ever ponder in your life is who is Jesus to you? You see, the answer and the uh, implication or the implementation of that answer will not only change your current status in life, but it will have a massive effect on your eternal destination. 
Now, we as people, we would much rather revert back to Jesus' first question. What's everyone else saying about him? That's an easier question to answer. It's a safer question for us because it it doesn't make us vulnerable. It's easy to talk about someone else's response. Well, they say this, or they say that, or they have this opinion, or they have that thought. But Jesus dug deep into the soul and the heart of his disciples that day, and I believe he's asking us the same thing. Who is Jesus to us? That personal question, who is Jesus to you? really given that much thoughts now i know some of you will say well pastor why are you asking us this question because we're the ones that showed up on the second day of deer season i guarantee you there's some hunter in the woods right now that is watching our facebook live feed if you're watching right now and you've got a gun in your hand and there's a deer in front of you well be here next week All right. Who is Jesus to you? Not what is the the church saying about you. Not what can you regurgitate about what you learned in life group last week. Not what you can uh, reshare about what you learned as a child or what someone else said. But, But who is Jesus to you personally? Who is he? See, everyone has their opinion. I put it out there on Facebook, and you've got to love Facebook opinions. I put it on Facebook a couple of weeks ago, and I said, who is Jesus to you? Answer the question. And I got a myriad of responses. One person said, he is the I am. Another said, he's my everything. Someone else said, the one that is changing my life. I love that. How many of you are a work in progress? Yeah, you know, always, God, change this in my life. God, make me what you want me to be. He is the one that is changing my life day in and day out. Someone else said, he is love in any and all forms. I love this next one. He's my solid rock. He's the foundation that I can rest upon. He's the one that I can depend upon when everything else is falling apart. He is substance for me. Someone else said, someone who lo- knows everything about me and loves me anyway. Thank you, Jesus. And the final person said, he is the one that I adore. I ask you today, who is Jesus to you? Personally, deep down inside your life, not not who the church believes he is, not who your mom and dad believe him to be. But who is Jesus to you? There was a moment in time when some individuals were walking down the street. In fact, this was the day of Jesus' resurrection. Earlier that morning, Mary and some other ladies had gone to the tomb and, and discovered that Jesus was no longer there. The stone had been rolled away, and the angel said, Why are you looking for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. And it says later on that day, there were some people that were walking down the streets. I want to focus for a few moments on that conversation that happens that afternoon after Jesus had risen from the grave. In fact, in the moment, in this conversation, I want to look at five observations of the typical response. 
five observations, five things that we oftentimes see when the question is asked, who is Jesus to you? The first observation is this. For some, Jesus is simply a stranger. For some, Jesus is simply a stranger. That's what we see happening in our, in our conversation today in Luke chapter 24, verse 13. It says, the same day, the day Jesus was resurrected from the grave, two of Jesus' followers, now hold on to that, that's vitally important, two of Jesus' followers were walking to the village of Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. As they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened. They had all the knowledge. As they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them. But God kept them from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing so intently as you walk along? They stopped short, sadness written across their faces. Then one of them, Cleopas, replied, You must be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard about all the things that have happened in the last few days. We had hoped he was the Messiah who had come to rescue Israel. In the midst of this conversation, I see five things happening. First off, these two individuals were followers of Jesus. They were followers of Jesus. The second thing, they knew all the facts. They knew every detail. They were discussing it. They were processing through it. Number three, the two individuals were quick to accuse. They looked at Jesus and said, you must be the only one in town who knows nothing about what's happening. The two individuals had a desire. We were hoping he was the Messiah. And finally, the two individuals failed to really connect. Are we guilty today? Are you guilty today of simply being in the room with Jesus, but not making room for him? Are you guilty today of, of knowing the facts, but not truly knowing the giver of such facts? Are we guilty of even having a desire, but no real follow-through? You see, I believe that this world, and unfortunately, even the church today, is full of people whom Jesus is no more than simply a stranger. They know about him. They have a conversation about him. They'll even engage in such conversation. But they fail to really know Jesus. They're in the same place as our two travelers today. They claim to be followers. They know the facts. They're quick to accuse. They have a desire, but there's no real connect. They fail to see the connect or even experience the connection with Jesus. In fact, verse 18, they even state that Jesus must be the only one. In other words, he must be a stranger. He doesn't know what's going on. 
There's no connection with their daily life. Are we guilty of disconnecting with Jesus in our daily life? We're fairly good at connecting with Him in our church life on Sunday morning. We get up, we gussy up just right, we come to church, we put on the, the Christian smile, we dust off our Bible, we walk into church, and all is great. But what about the connects in our family life? What about the connect in our, in our work life, in our social life, in our recreational life, in our day in and day out life have we allowed jesus to be more than just a stranger to us or have we simply slipped into the knowledge without the connects we end up treating jesus with the stranger danger card keeping him at arm's length for one reason or another and there are a myriad of reasons why we do that it could be fear, it could be the unknown, but whatever the reason is, we, we push him away and we make him a stranger and suddenly we're just impersonating a follower of Jesus. I ask you today, if, if Jesus were to walk in the room, would you recognize who he is? We, we claim to be a follower. I would venture to say that in a room, a crowd this size, the majority of the people, if I was to ask you right now, how many of you have a relationship with Jesus? How many of you are a follower of Jesus? Many, if not all, in this room would raise their hand. But I ask you this question. If you began a conversation, would you even know who he is? Is Jesus merely a stranger to you? See, the second observation would be this. For some, Jesus is simply a tradition. He is simply a tradition. I can't tell you how many times I've talked to someone and they're very quick and very adamant to revert back to their family heritage. One particular denomination or another, and if I was to ask you today, there's a myriad of them in the house. Some would say, well, I'm assemblies of God. I tell people I bleed type AG blood. It's who I am. It's what I've always been. It's what my family is. It's, it's what we are. And some of you would say, well, I'm Baptist or I'm Catholic. I'm Lutheran. I'm Presbyterian. I'm non-denominational. I'm interdenominational. Whatever. The list goes on and on. But quite honestly, as your pastor, I'm not nearly as concerned about your family heritage. Oh, it, it's interesting information. It helps us to wrap ourselves around. I've even had people say, well, I'm a non-practicing fill-in-the-blank. So if you're non-practicing, there's no connection at all, and your God is simply a figurehead of your family tradition. See, for some, Jesus is simply a tradition. There's no real connect. The day that Jesus asked the disciples who he was to them, when he had asked them what people were saying, they gave a, a variety of responses. Some said, well, they're saying that you're John the Baptist. 
Why would they say that? Because John also preached repentance. But Jesus is far greater than John the Baptist. Jesus spoke with authority. It was astonishing. He wasn't just speaking the word of God. He was, in fact, the word in the flesh. John 1.1, in the beginning was the word. That's Jesus. John pointed people to the Lamb of God, but Jesus is the Lamb of God. They said others are saying that you're Elijah. Because of the prayer, because of the passion in your prayer, you're Elijah. You see, Elijah would call down fire from heaven. He called down rain. Elijah knew what it meant to pray. Jesus knew what it meant to pray. But Jesus was so much greater and is so much greater than Elijah. Another disciple spoke up and said, well, some are saying that you're Jeremiah. Well, Jeremiah was compassionate. He was the weeping prophet. How many times in the stories of Jesus have we read that, that Jesus wept? He, he was at the tomb of Lazarus and he wept. He stopped on the edge of Jerusalem and he wept. Jesus is compassionate. He's loving. And I believe even today he sees what happens in our lives and he is heartbroken. But Jesus is so much greater than Jeremiah. He's so much greater than every one of these individuals. But this idea of saying Jesus is this or Jesus is that didn't stop in the Bible. Even today, there are many opinions. If you were to ask a Muslim who Jesus is to them, they would say Jesus was not God. He was simply a prophet of God. The Hindus said Jesus is not God, but he was sent on a specific mission to fulfill God's will. The Jews Many would say he was a false messiah. The Buddhists would say he was a reincarnated Buddha. Others would say he was an enlightened man with great influence, but he was not divine. Jehovah's Witness say that Jesus was first, the firstborn of creation, but he was not God. He was Michael the archangel. He's simply a spirit person in heaven, currently ruling over heaven. Mormons say that Jesus was the literal created son of God and the brother of Lucifer. In Mormon theology found in Doctrine and Covenants 130-22, God has a body of flesh and bones and so does his wife. And together they produce spirit offsprings in heaven that inhibit humans here on earth. And they say that's what Jesus did. The average Christian today would say Jesus has been a figure and a part of my life for many, many years. Yet, I fear that we become comfortable in our faith. We don't truly allow Jesus to be any more than tradition. We don't truly allow Jesus to be any more than, than routine. We come to church out of convenience, not out of conviction. We come in because this is what you do on a Sunday. Many Americans will claim to be a Christian, but the Bible says that there's coming a day when many will cry out, Lord, Lord, and he'll say, I don't even know you. 
Why? Because we've simply made Jesus a tradition. There's no real heart change. There's no transformation. The biggest, if not the only, connection that we have with Jesus occurs on a Sunday morning for an hour and 20 minutes, and that's it. He's simply a tradition. So I ask you this morning, who do you say he is? Who is Jesus to you? Is he more than a stranger? Is Jesus more than than a tradition? The third observation I find is this. For some, Jesus is simply a good man. We saw this as we looked at the religious backgrounds of people. Many, if not all, the religions would say that that Jesus was a good man. He he taught moral values. He, He spoke about hope. He spoke about love. He's a good example to follow. But I would venture to say that Jesus is so much more than just a good man. See, Jesus was, in fact, God in the flesh. John chapter 1 verse 14 tells us that Jesus became flesh and blood and dwelt among us. Jesus came as a baby in a manger. We're going to celebrate that, I can't believe, in just like a short time now. But some of us, we leave Jesus just as that place in the manger. We look at some of the stories, how he healed the blinded eyes. We look at the moments of when he he raised the dead. We look at the moments when he says, love your enemies. Do good to those that hurt you and persecute you. And we say, he's a really good man. I should be more like Jesus, I should be a a better person. But we allow Jesus just to stay at that idea of good. Can I share with you today that I believe that Jesus is so much more than just good? It was C.S. Lewis, the great author, that once wrote this. I'm trying here to prevent anyone from saying the really foolish thing that people often say about him, about Jesus. I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept his claim to be God. C.S. Lewis says, I'm working really hard. I'm trying really hard to keep us from saying the foolish thing. I'm ready to accept Jesus as great moral teacher, but I don't accept his claim to be God. That is the one thing we must not say. A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things that Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on the level of the man who says he's a poached egg, or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make a choice. Either this man was and is the Son of God, or else a madman, or something worse. You can shut him up as a fool, you can spit on him and kill him as a demon, or you can fall at his feet 
and call him Lord and God. But let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us. He did not intend to. You see, Jesus did not come to this earth. He did not live a, a sinless life. He did not die on a cross just to be known as a good man. But he gave his everything to be our salvation, to be our hope, to be our resurrection and life, to be the way, the truth, and the life, to be our avenue to the Father, to be our opportunity for a greater life. Jesus came to be so much more than just a good man. When you look at all he has said, when you look at all he did, the only plausible solution is that Jesus came to be so much more. So I ask you this morning, who is Jesus for you? Have you really given that much thought? Could it be that he's still a stranger? You haven't made that connect with him? Could it be that you've just struck him up as a, a tradition in your life? It's, it's what I've always done. It's, it's who mom and dad are. And you're somehow trying to, to ride on the, the uh, shirt tail of mom and dad and you're ha hanging on to their garments and you're letting them bring you along, but you're 75 years old and you're still holding on to their strings. You're 50 and you're still holding on to that. You're 25 and you're still holding on to that. It's time today. Who do you say he is? Maybe for you it's, oh, he's a really great guy, but I'm not ready to accept him as Lord and Savior. The Bible says, greater love has no man than this. Then he lay his life down for his friends that's what jesus did for us but the incredible thing is he did not stay dead in the grave remember back to our our story here before jesus met up with these individuals on the road the ladies had gone to the tomb and jesus wasn't there why did somebody steal his body no he rose from the grave he conquered death, hell, and the grave for you. He came to be so much more than just a good man. See, the fourth thing that I see is this. For some, Jesus is a life changer. Oh, look at this scripture. 2 Corinthians 5, 15. He, Jesus, died for everyone. Now that's good news, because some of us struggle with that idea. Some of us look at our stupidity. Some of us look at the failures in our life, the, the repetition of the failures of our life, and we think, Jesus could never die for me. Jesus could never love me. Jesus could never forgive me. But guess what? Jesus came for everyone. That's good news. He died for everyone. So that those who receive his new life will no longer live 
for themselves. We've got this battle, good and bad, going on inside of us. The, the fleshly side that wants to mess up and the, the godly side that wants to do right. And those that give themselves to Jesus will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. And then in verse 16, it says, At one time we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. How differently we know him now. There's the change. There's a difference between knowing about and truly knowing Him. How differently we know Him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. A transformation has occurred in our lives a change has set in the old life is gone a new life has begun so what does that mean for us here's what I see the love of God meets us where we are did you grab a hold of that? The love of God meets us where we are. The love of God meets us in the midst of our mess, in the midst of our disaster, in the midst of our crisis, in the midst of our chaos, in the midst of our troubles, in the midst of our conditions, in the midst of our stupidity, in the midst of our sad circumstances. He doesn't wait for us to get cleaned up. Come on, what did it say? He died for everyone so that those who receive a new life will no longer live for themselves. It finalized by saying the old life is gone. The new has begun. He doesn't wait for us to get cleaned up. He meets us right where we are. At the point of where we stand in life. Grab this. He meets the drug addict while the needle is still in their arm. He meets the alcoholic in the midst of happy hour he meets the spiritually comfortable in the midst of their complacency God gave us Jesus to come down to us to rescue us he didn't bring us up there he brought Jesus to us to save us to transform us to renew us to do a work inside of us when you come to the place of recognizing and accepting Jesus as your Lord and Savior, a transformation occurs. Jesus is no longer a stranger hidden in the dark. He's no longer just a, a tradition of, of what our family has always done. He's no longer just a, a good man or a, a good person. But suddenly, Jesus is a, a life changer, a, a transformer, a giver of hope, a giver of life, a foundation that we can rest upon. And finally, number five, for some... Jesus is everything. For some, Jesus is everything. I love what the psalmist said in Psalm 33. 
says we put our hope in the Lord. Let me ask you today, where are you putting your hope? Where is your hope found today? He is our help and our shield. In Him our hearts rejoice, for we trust in His holy name. Let your unfailing love surround us, Lord, for our hope is in you alone. Today, Jesus wants to surround you. Today, Jesus wants to be your hope. Today, Jesus wants to be your everything. Would you allow him to play a bigger role in your life than just a stranger? Would you allow him to be something so much more than just a tradition? Would you allow him to be something greater than a good man? Jesus has come to be a, a life changer, but he's come to be your everything. Maybe this is the first time that you've stepped into church. Maybe you were a little fearful to come in this morning because you haven't been in church for many, many years. Maybe you've been coming to church and even this church for quite some time now and you've gotten comfortable. I ask you to, to look deep down inside. Not looking for a surface answer. Not looking about what others have to say about him. Not even looking for a response that you may have learned here at church. But I ask you personally, who is Jesus to you? I want to give you a moment to really process that today. Because if he's anything less than your everything, you're missing out. Because today he wants to do a work inside of you. Would you pray with me? God, I pray right now for this congregation. Lord, this, this question appears to be so simple. But in reality, it's extremely difficult. Because it places us at a really vulnerable place. God, I pray right now that all across this room that you will speak to every heart and every life. Lord, if we have made you anything less than our everything, forgive us. Lord, if we've left you out and, and pushed you away as a stranger, would you forgive us? Lord, if we have just come, become comfortable and complacent and made you tradition, would you forgive us?
if up to this point we've just seen you as a good man, would you forgive us? Lord, even if we've allowed you to be a life transformer and a life changer, but we haven't really gone anywhere with that, would you forgive us? Today, God, I ask that you will help us make you our everything. Our hope is found in nothing less than your blood and your righteousness. Lord, speak to our hearts right now. Right now, God. Church, with your heads bowed and your eyes closed. ask you the question again. Who is Jesus to you? If he's anything less than your everything, now's your time to respond. You're here today. You don't have Jesus in your life. You've pushed him aside or you haven't recognized him. You don't have Jesus part of your life. But today, you want to form that connection with him. Today, you want to ask him into your life. If that is you, would you raise your hand? All across the house. Yeah, there's one. You. Maybe you're here and you've got a relationship. But you haven't really allowed it to go anywhere. But today you say, I want to go so much closer. I want to know him in a greater way. I want him to be my everything. Just raise your hand. Yeah, there's one. There's two. There's three. Come on, it's okay. You're in a safe place. You're with people that love you. Is that you? Who do you say he is? Would you stand with me this morning?